discusses storytelling from all angles to help you and us answer the call when the muse screams, tell the damn story. We'll be exploring the challenges of being creative in fiction, illustration, comics, film, and nonfiction. Hey, Chris. Hey, Alex. <laughs> yes. What is love at? Holy crap. Yes. It has been here. a minute, we're, brother. It's yeah, we're still minute. here. We're still here. My goodness. Wow. You here. know, you know, we uh, uh, we haven't been here in a little while. Um, luckily, we had great episodes to replay for our, our audience that tied in with what we're going to talk about today, actually, um, and uh, tied in what was probably one of the bigger pop culture moments of, I would say, the whole month, you know? Yep. And that is the Batman. And now <laughs> that the fervor has calmed down. And the I love, I hate, this is great, this sucks, and all that other nonsense <laughs> has gone. You and I can have a conversation about this film from a creative point of view, from, you know, what can emerging filmmakers or writers, uh, either of screenplays or comics or novels or short stories, what can they get out of this thing besides, you know, a great time, you know, on uh, one level, it's a dark popcorn movie, but on <laughs> another level, it's an elevator down into the psyches. So yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to think of it as a as a as a dark raisinette movie because that's my thing. <laughs> movies and raisinettes. That's that's my the only time I even think about raisinettes is when I go to the movies. Um, right. But you know, there's, good movies. there's some there's some other things, and and we're going to you know touch on this as we go along. As Chris was saying, we're going to go along uh, through this episode. We're going to be talking about. Uh, absolutely this movie, but we're going to be talking about it also from a writer-creative standpoint mm. and a little bit from the psychology of creating characters and the influence those characters have on the population and vice versa over a prolonged period of time. Because Batman mm-hmm. is, I mean, the creation, the Batman, is over 80 years old. Right. And and so that's that's a number of decades that this character has moved through and been in the public eye in one form or another. And it's really kind of interesting when you when you look at how the character was handled throughout those years, but also what influence, you know, uh, he had on us and we had on him. So that's uh, part of what you're going to get today. And I just also want to say just very quickly, another reason for us um, being MIA for the past couple of episodes, uh, we will go into more in the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so be with us next week also. Okay. But um, plant seeds for the next episode. Yeah. Oh, we got, we got many seeds to plant. Yes. So um, one of the, to start out here, Chris, you know, I was looking at uh, the history of this character of the Batman and, you know, he was created for those of you who don't know, uh, he was created in 1939. I mean, obviously, they were working on him up until that, but he debuted in 1939. And he was a dark character at that time. Oh, by, by the way, his creation has something to do in common with you and I. What is that? He was created in the Bronx. <laughs> over no. At least partially in Pope Park, where the two of them would sit and discuss designs and all that stuff. So, in part, Batman's a Bronx boy. All right, please yeah, continue. In, in part, in part. <laughs> and, and, 
And we're talking about Bob Kane and Jerry Robinson, you know, because they were Bronx boys, right? So let's hear it for the boogie down. You know, props where it's due. That's right. But as we were saying, and not because he was from the Bronx, not because he was from the Bronx, but he was a dark character. Initially, he carried a sidearm, a gun, uh, for the first few stories, and then they got rid of that. And but he was going up against some really hardcore, you know, killers, gangsters, mobsters, and eventually he went up against the Joker, who was a psycho. I mean, that just was killing people, right. and so that was that was very heavy for that first year or so. And then marketing and other thoughts, thought processes said, "You got to lighten this up a bit for a wider market," and so Robin came into the picture well they had just found that if there was a kid in the comics the comics sold more yeah so get kid sidekicks you know (laughs) they didn't god bless them but there's no evidence that they sat around thinking about the deep psychological implications of how such a bright and shiny character would balance the batman no they didn't do that for 40 years. Yeah. It was just about selling more comics as the Joker. Joker's a scary. Oh, that'll sell more cap. Put that face on the cover. It'll sell more. It's amazing how much they did right by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Continue, sir. Well, you know, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're, you're welcome, sir. So in the 1940s, uh, there's some interesting uh, representations going on there. I mean, we had Robin by this point. We had this brightly costumed character bouncing around the, the panels in the comic books. And then they started to do the comic strips. And again, the characters of uh, Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, were okay psychologically. They were normal, good people who fought very bad people. So again, you're still going up against killers and things like that. But the tone was just a little bit different. And then even that was affected by the war. So they were fighting Nazis and Japanese spies and things like that. So there's espionage and intrigue and some propaganda aspects. And of course, they got partnered with Superman during several issues. So again, but it was it was it was not dark, brooding, intense, deep psychological traumas that we were dealing with, except once in a blue moon with a victim or a villain. But our heroes were okay. They, they, were, they were just good people. 50s, suddenly, and I think, uh, Chris, you had a comment about this. 1950s, yeah, well, the, 60s, it changed. The, yeah, the tone changed. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was the, uh, the Red Scare, sure. But what if really directly affected the comics was Seduction of the Innocents. And this, Which is a, 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 um, a report, actually. Right. I won't even call it's it a from book. From this report. psychiatrist who, uh, who decided to say that comic books destroyed uh, young psyches and made them perverts and hoodlums and all that stuff. And the comics industry, you know, publishers bought it. And that's where we got the comic code, but that's also where we got the Batman and Robin. Hey, buddy, yes, young, my young ward, and and fighting a little far further apart because the seduction said that this was uh, homosexual overtones. 
I think that guy needs some work too. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what do you see, but, and then what is going on in your head? But okay. yeah, yeah. What do you yeah. bring into that conversation? But for the next ten years, in the fifties, they're fighting goofy aliens. That's where bite batmite comes. Everything is as harmless as possible. It gets really campy, which is the gives birth to the sixty six. Well, the 66 Batman show is really based on that incarnation of Batman. Mm-hmm. However, and, and it lasts however, three years. <laughs> right. It also inspires one of your good friends and one of our idols, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, to do what? Well, there you go. So by the late 60s, Neil Adams, a wonderful illustrator, very talented man, Denny O'Neill, a wonderful and brilliant writer, uh, began to go, mm. You know what? The campiness, hey, that was fun. But Batman's a detective. He's mm-hmm. he's a, a man of mystery, and he needs. We need to see that. And so they started to put more of the the the, the grand, the billowing capes for you know for the visual effects and deductive reasoning, actual clues, and spending some time tracking people and reasoning out things. And so that brought the mystery elements the detective back that's where denny labeled them the dark knight detective in that era yeah you know yeah and i love again just like when robin was born one of the reasons they allowed denny and 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 um neil to do this is because sales were wet uh lagging you know so marketing marketing this reinvention was yeah (laughs) so it's it's an amazing thing that the business opens doors for the creativity you know um and neil and and denny really laid the groundwork for all the different places that the more modern batman incarnations went with the exception of lego um Uh, so hey, there's a yeah, place so, for Lego in this in this world in this universe too. Yeah, so th- this is when this is when uh, Batman gets the um, the reputation as um, uh, a detective on par with Sherlock Holmes. Yes, and right. where we get Ra's al Ghul, and right. where we so kind social of, we, issues begin to yes. become a part of the of the bed for the. The, the fuel for a lot of stories with Green Lantern and some of the others with Denny and Neil, they were doing a lot of stories that had connection to the 60s, 70s social issues that were prominent at that time. And the creative thing for aspiring writers and ongoing writers to think about is, well, what was the difference? The difference was Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill and the creatives who came after them started asking why. Mm-hmm. Why would Batman do this? Why would the Joker exist? Why would Batman not just kill the Joker? Why would the Riddler be a concern for Batman? What drives these people? You know, and that's when we started going back into the backstory, you know, and character bios and all that. And this is where writers and and creators can start looking at this material and seeing how doing that work deepens your characters and batman is 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 so deep at this point you can go for 20 years 30 years making different films that uh explore different aspects and still find a 
really fresh take uh, in the month of March on 2022, you know? So let's, 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 let's sort of bridge the gap from Neil Adams and them to this point. Because yeah, we got we had, 70s, 80s, 90s, go for it. Yeah, so we had from, from the, the 70s, again, sort of the awakening of the social issues within our stories. And as Chris was saying, looking at motivation, why would this character do that? What would bring this about? And so Robin had to grow up. You know, he had to go off to college. He had to become his own person. Uh, in some of the other series, like with Green Arrow, uh, Speedy wound up with a drug problem and had to, you know, deal with that. Yes, you've got that up there. You know, there's all of these things that reflected the era. And it was funny because, okay, the 60s, 70s were the social consciousness era and the anti-war era and some of the other uh, world changing events. And then by the 80s, 90s, we started looking at, I'm going to only, I can only call it as we started to look into uh, the, you know, look into the abyss and not realize the abyss was looking back into us because the characters became even darker. And there's a lot of, a lot more uh, psychologically damaged characters coming forth and taking the spotlight. I think it was a question of, you know, what was a hero anymore at that point? Because it wasn't, you know, Joe and John or Jane Average who, who, who did some exercises, got, got good at whatever and could fight crime. Now it was people who were traumatized and were dealing with the harshness of violence. And it was even in one of the DC stories, there was a rape that affected the Justice League. You know, I won't go into that, but that, you know, that was another factor that we were suddenly seeing the darker sides of our society being um, explored through these characters who had been relatively safe for decades. And subsequently, Batman became darker, too. And I would I would even ask, you know, at what point does one realize that Bruce Wayne was very damaged? by the trauma of seeing his parents killed before his eyes as a child. You know, if you look at one era, Bruce grew up either being raised by Alfred or boarding schools or whatever. And he learned, he became a great student and he learned chemistry and all this kind of stuff. And he exercised his body so that he could prevent other people from suffering the same situation. As opposed to now, he is so messed up that for a good 20 years, he's a brooding, deeply disturbed individual who goes off to ashrams and 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 um, um, monasteries and and studies martial arts and all this other stuff so he can come back and be an avenging angel? So it's and I'm not knocking any of this more than what I'm saying is this was the evolution that occurred. Right. But if you look back at 1939, he started out dark, but without all the psychological mm-hmm. uh, explanations and and backstory. And now here we are in 2022 right. with the Batman. Right. <laughs> and, and, and let's get to that film in a minute. But one of the things that always amused me when they were going through the deep psychological period uh, of Batman going off to ashrams and monasteries and all that stuff. We had seen that in the pulps. Yep. You know, the shadow had done that, you know. Yep. So, you know, uh, uh, back to the future, you know. Um and there are some elements where it resulted in 
classic uh, works, you know. Um, Alan Moore's The Killing Joke mm-hmm. is a study of psychology. Is you know, the Joker wants to prove to Batman that he and the you know, the Joker and Batman are, are are just one bad day apart, and they, they victimize both Barbara and Commissioner Gordon. Uh, uh, he does to 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 try and get there, you know. And there's you know there's the whole debate on what the ending means and stuff but that we're not here for that today right uh frank frank miller's the dark knight returns bringing him back as an older bitter batman who may have tipped over to the side of you know unbalanced you know and then going the same guy miller going back to year one and trying to set the stage for all right how does he become this so now notice, writers, we talked about the why deepening the character. And then now how, right? So Miller does year one. Jeff Johns does um, a uh, series called Earth One, in which he's like in the first or second year of developing. And those comics, along with Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales, Long Halloween and Dark Victory, those comics form the nucleus of what Matt Reeves uses from the comic book world mm-hmm. to develop his script. The other how is that I, I want to point out with Matt Reeves is Matt Reeves takes seriously the idea that Batman scares the crap out of all the bad guys. And asks, how? How would that happen? And beautifully, just intriguingly, he turned to horror movies (laughs) to to say, okay, Batman wants to be a horror movie for bad guys. So you get the darkness. You get the slow moving. You know, a lot of people are like, why is he walking so slowly? Because he doesn't have to run. Where are these where are these guys going to go? They're on train tracks, you know. Well, and, and the them. other thing too is the numbers. They've got the numbers. Why would they run? Right. You know, and he and, did, and that he doesn't care and that he doesn't hesitate starts to spook them. Right. There's yeah. that guy with the drop head. He just looks down a dark alley and thinks he might be there. You know, there's. Yeah, there, there was a couple of guys that I listened to and said, well, Batman wasn't scary. I'm sorry. I don't know what movie that guy was watching. You know, <laughs> these be the first half an hour of, of the Batman. Matt Reeves establishes how many people are scared. And, you know, the thing we saw on, on the trailer was, you know, when that uh, signal goes up, it's not just a call. It's a warning. And we see that in effect. And he uses, you know, the great music in this movie. And the Batman theme, dun, dun, dun. That's an invasion, an inversion of the Jaws music. Yeah. Right? I, I also when want to hear that music in Jaws. We know someone's going to get eaten. Yeah, but here's And the psychologically, when we hear it in the Batman, someone's going to get beaten. <laughs> in the movie, the other thing that he, that he does is he uses sound. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the Batman coming out of the darkness is you hear him coming first right. and you hear the pace. You don't right. hear him running at you. 
There's not absolute silence and suddenly he's there all the time. There is that just like Mike Myers, just like so many other right. And he comes out of the darkness. And with that first group on the on the subway platform, you know, it's really he the attack when he attacks that guy, he he doesn't subdue him. He beats him. Yeah. It's and a, that's, it's that's, a moment where I'm sorry. It's no, a moment say, where we can say, um, maybe he's not hinged. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and he does that for the benefit of those there. He yeah. wants them to be afraid. Yeah, we I want you to understand that I'm not here to talk you down. Mm. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be reasonable about this, and I can be just as brutal as you guys were about to be right. or have been. And, and it's the, the last about two that for extra a punches that that really drive it home for me. When oh man, the guy's definitely gone and out. And he goes ah, boom, boom, two, two more times. They immediately Matt Reeves immediately cuts to the others and uh oh, yeah. But they still attack because they're not. He's just one guy, and he notice he doesn't. I mean, everyone runs away. He doesn't really get them arrested. Because they go and they're all bruised. The they're going to go to their yeah. They're going to go and ha- go to the hideouts or go to the bars where similar or people hang out. Care, but yeah, or intense, wherever you know. For the next month, people are going to see these people and say, uh, um, "How many of you were there?" You know, and the one kid who only had the half makeup on, you know, it seems psychologically that kid's not going to go back and hang out with those people. No, no. We he might see him. Home. He's going to go home, yeah. change his shorts two or three times, right? I don't think he's going to come out for a few days to begin with, you know, and then eventually, yeah, try and rethink his path in life. Start asking, Mom, can we move? Yeah. <laughs> Metropolis. I hear Metropolis has got some lovely apartments. Could be, could be good, Ma. Yeah. But, you know, again, in the storytelling here, because, uh, you know, this is, again, talking about approaches. As a writer, and I, I, I have this discussion almost every term, every semester with any of my new students as well as my ongoing students, we talk about, you know, how many plots there are supposedly in the universe. Supposedly there's only like seven to nine plots. So everything is a variation of that thing. Uh, of whichever plot you're thinking of, whichever genre you're working within. And so it becomes, what makes the difference between the first time this story is told and the 200th time this story is told? And part of it is the artists involved, the, the, the writers involved. What's the lens you're looking at the world through? What are you trying to say? You know, what are you trying to give to the audience or get the audience to realize or, or explore in this particular version of your story and so with with matt reeves and with the batman i'm seeing you know this is not the bruce wayne of the 30s or the 40s or the 60s or 70s this is a bruce wayne who who yeah he did not he he did not have i mean if he went to an ashram or whatever he wasn't meditating right he was definitely not getting the centered and the peace thing at all and so what, whatever allowed him to become who he is in this film, rage and anger and, and damage is still the, the, the key uh, pump 
for him. It's it's right. the fuel that he's feeding off of. And he and, seems and, to know, have sort of disconnected himself in many ways from any other aspects of life that are unnecessary to the mission. Right. Yeah. And um, that's, in the, I'm just saying that that's exploring the darker side of the Batman in ways that the Michael Keaton film or the Val Kilmer film or even the Christian Bale films right. didn't quite go. I'm not knocking any of them. I'm just saying this is one of those little moments that you can go, oh, that's the lens that's being used. Oh, he's telling the story that way. Yeah. Um, you, were, you were talking about um, plot structures. And Tolstoy says there are really only two, right? Wow. A hero's journey or a man goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. And one of the great things about this film is that you can watch it. One first go through a hero's journey and then watch it again. A stranger comes to town and they're both Batman, <laughs> you know, and. You know, so many, so many people complain that um, the Bruce Wayne side wasn't developed was basically abandoned i think this is the beginning of the origin not of the batman but of the bruce wayne mm. you know because in his ptsd in his damage he has subsumed the bruce wayne character because bruce couldn't save his parents this guy who definitely needs help and who Alfred, who lovingly Alfred was a bodyguard who agreed to be, uh, who told the young kid he was the butler just to cover for him, you know, but he's really a, he's really a bodyguard the whole time. Um, so as he goes to the ashrams and all that sort of stuff, he's going as Batman. He's, you know, he may not have even named the character or whatever. Um, you know, maybe he was just thinking of himself as uh, 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 I'm vengeance, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't say I'm Batman, you know, other films did. This guy, he names himself as the emotion. Mm -hmm. And the arc of this movie, the why are we hearing this tale is the discovery, the hero's journey from the mistaken notion he starts off thinking he's got to be vengeance and he learns he actually needs to be hope, mm. you know, and that's fantastic. You see the stranger comes to town when that Batman comes out of the shadows or that car comes out of the alley. Right. And that is played again and again and again. And the Riddler is the stranger who comes to town as well. Um, and the ins completely inverted uh, uh, Bruce Wayne story, right? Whoever the Riddler is, he was Bruce Wayne without any of the breaks. Mm. You know, oh, oh, uh, we're both orphans. Well, <laughs> you, you think, you think you're an orphan. An orphan is thirty people to a room. You know, says the Riddler. Right. You can watch the how. You can watch the why you can watch two characters on a very mistaken trail and can they find the truth and when they find the truth you know uh this this psych teacher father coin that i had in high school 
And look, I've been in, I've been out of high school for a billion years. But uh, one day, that's right. One day in class, he turned around and he says, you know, freedom, true freedom, is being able to express yourself after the choices. And how each of these characters express themselves after the choices they make is where the story succeeds or fails every time. You know, and it's not that they have to make the one of the things I love about the Matt Reeves uh, film of the Batman is they don't have to make the right choices each time. This is year two for the Batman. Right. And he makes repeatedly less than perfect choices. You know, some of the people who are finding fault with this film are saying he doesn't solve the mystery. Uh, I would argue with that, but I understand that, yeah, he is not the perfect Batman that we've seen in other incarnations. You know, by the time Bale gets uh, 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 to being Batman, and especially in The Dark Knight, um, he's so much better at it than this Batman, you know. Um, he's not the Batman who's been being batman for 80 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know this is his even when he tries uh to um he does the bat suit you know and he screws up he didn't think about the overhead and boom 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 boom, boom and he thinks he's gonna land on the bus and he falls and he don't i mean we've seen that in the jeff johns year one we saw that in uh miller's year one yep. the fallibility of what he does how he adjusts after that you know uh, that he gets back up, that he, it makes all the difference. Well, you know, you one, know? one of the things, one of the things that, that um, I, I found refreshing is that, and, and again, this doesn't have to be a perfect Batman. What the hell does that mean? Uh, one of the things I found refreshing about the movie was this was closer to a Batman NYPD blue. He was more like a police detective. I don't mean he was like the police, but this was more like a police detective scenario where they're going, or like the movie Seven, where they're going up against a psycho who has had time, is brilliant, yes, but has time to prepare and set up this elaborate game of death. And our hero... Alex, could you repeat that? You broke up on us. Yeah, I'm saying that in this particular film, Batman is going up against, like in the movie Seven with the detectives, our hero Broke is up going up against game. a psycho who has had time to set up this elaborate game of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's had plenty of time to work all this out this, and to put this stuff in motion. And our heroes are playing catch up. That is, that is really the whole thing. And every time you think you've got it, you find there's another portion of it another part another piece that's already been set in motion and so you've got a you've got a younger batman a younger detective who's in this pretty much alone who uh has his own baggage to deal with and as you said is thinking i'm about vengeance i'm about taking down these thugs i'm about you know stopping killers and things like now I'm dealing with someone who is a Machiavellian. 
and I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta figure this out and I'm not doing it well enough. And I do know that he does learn from this, this, um, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when, when, oh, geez, I, I hate when my brain goes dead like that. Uh, from running this course, he does learn by the end of this film. He's learned not only about his attitude towards what he does, but he's also grown as a detective. He's, right. he's going to play it differently the next time he encounters somebody like this. And, and that's part of what we're seeing. We are seeing the formation of the character that we've come to know over these years in whatever uh, medium that we've discovered. Right. And, you know, it's, again, credit to Matt Reeves. Uh, it's the t- that tiny details on how he expresses that, you know, where he has the great Jeffrey Wright as uh, a detective. He's not a commissioner yet. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Detective or or maybe lieutenant, I forget. Um, But at first he says to this, you know, I mean, it's it's clear he's made a a bit of a, a bargain with this what clearly can be seen as a nut job uh, because he's desperate for people he can trust because he's, it's just clear to him that so many people on the job are corrupt and on the take. Um, and as that unfolds, we see how many people are mm-hmm. beholden to Falcone and, and the mob and all that. Um, but at one point, pretty early in the film, he turns to, the, uh, to Batman and says, you're really not this good. You've got to be better. At the detective part. And then a little later, Batman says to him, I want you to teach me how to be a better detective. You know, again, those are bold steps to take in a franchise film. Yeah. That is what, seven, eight, nine films deep at this point to go back and and let it be like that. And then there's that moment where he starts to put stuff together and Gordon says, all right, maybe you're pretty good at this, you know, but he never says you are the dark Knight detective. No, 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 no. Um, But, but let's, let's actually, let's talk about Jeffrey Wright's portrayal. uh, Because again, in Frank Miller's um, uh, year one, Gordon is new to Gotham and he encounters a police department. He's been transferred there due to the fact that he, he sort of obviously overturned the corrupt apple cart somewhere else. Right. And so he gets dumped in Gotham, like, like they're flushing him down the toilet into the sewers. And, and he, he realizes, and I brought my pregnant wife here and damn, what, what, what am I in the middle of? And slowly Gordon has to find his way of, of, of navigating Gotham to a point of, of not, ruffling any feathers and then finally he goes okay all right now i gotta stand i gotta make a stand i've got to do this i gotta do that and he is more he's not protected by his title he's not protected by associations with anybody and even in year one he doesn't even know the batman yet because the batman is not fully developed yet and so gordon is kind of on his own in a lot of ways and i felt i felt that that's where jeffrey wright's portrayal of gordon was you There's can no feel security that security for and, him in this right. film well you know it's what's interesting is they they uh, they develop 
you know, the corruption of the police department, corruption of the uh, politicians, corruptions of everything. And it even infects the Wayne Foundation and all that sort of stuff. And that's why the um, the orphanage was abandoned. And that's why the, uh, the uh, walls that were protecting Gotham from uh, the waters around it didn't get uh, reinforced. And all. You can see all this subtle stuff. Sometimes they'll show you like uh, all the newspapers and the big headline will be drug bust but the little headline is about the infrastructure or something mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. he he gives all that stuff for people to chew but with the jeffrey wright character we see him surrounded by cops all the time and they're doing the stuff and you don't know who you can trust yeah you know and little by little in the little things that the other cops unnamed cops do you start picking so by the end yep He's able, well, maybe not everybody. And there's enough there to build upon for like this uh, rumored GCPD uh, mm-hmm. show on it, which would be really cool to watch. Um, but it also you get to see the relationship build between uh, Gordon and Batman. You know, they go into the uh, old orphanage at one point and uh, Batman's got the flashlight and Gordon's got the gun. And Batman says, no guns. And Gordon says, that's your thing. <laughs> hey, you ain't telling me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't been trained for, for 40 yeah. years. No, no, I got this. I got that's my your people. thing. Yeah. And it's those little moments. You know, the people try to knock at this film and say there's no humor. You know, it's it's so refined, you know, that little moment that... Um, that they get the Joker and they're uh, questioning him and they have him in the little plastic handcuffs around his ankles and his uh, wrists and they leave him there. And he's kind of has to waddle away. You bastards. Right? But he's waddling. That's really funny. <laughs> when first yeah, time, first yeah, time I'm he gonna... sees Batman. Take it easy, sweetheart. Yeah. I Your godson you and the, I have been saying penguin. that to each other. You mean the penguin? Week. Huh? You're talking about the penguin. Yes, we're talking right, about right, the right. Now, I, I want to just point out something else is because this is there's there's two things. One, those who are complaining about the film, I understand because it's not their film. And yeah, that's well, you know, if you don't like the show, don't buy a ticket, bro. Yeah, but but yeah, here's, yeah. The rea- here's the reality <laughs> in terms of being a creative. You can't please everyone. You just no, you can't. can't. That's that's not what you know. You're going to tell your story, as, and as we've said a thousand and one times in over two hundred and some odd episodes, serve the story. So you right. tell your story, you serve the story, you do the absolute best you can. You bring your A game, whatever other metaphor you want to come up with, and then you put it out there, and it will find its audience, and there will be people who it will not appeal to, and that is just the reality of being a creative. Yes, I agree. What I what I find fault with is the critic uh, the critiques for the critics who um go into a film with a fully form- fully formed idea of what they want to see mm-hmm. and if they don't see exactly what they want to see then the film is wrong no that is not how you do it and creatives should not serve that audience serve the story and that's the story that you're telling work on it Rewrite it, refine it, tell the story as perfectly as you can, 
for what that story has to be and what it has to say and and then don't listen to the other guys what is that you know but it but you have to tell the tale you know and there's a there's a wave of criticism that's saying this third act of this film is tacked on and i i wonder about their sanity yeah. Forget the Riddler. I wonder whether because it, it before is we so get to organic. That, before oh, we get to that, though, stay tuned. We we'll get, get to, to that, that, folks. But before we get to that, I just want to finish off one other thing about the characterizations. Um, there's another elephant in the room. Uh, we have a, um, a a Catwoman and a and and a Gordon of color, and that has had some some not pushback as much as some reactions, and and I find that. You know, the reality is, yes, if Julie Newmar and, I don't know, name an actor who's played Gordon, had done this film, it would look different. Julie's very old now, too. That would be make it very, very different. But, you know, it, yeah, if you had an all-white cast, it would look one way. It would be telling that story. None of the elements in this story, as far as I'm concerned, are lessened by characters of color or different cultural backgrounds being in particular roles no this, and i would to say, me all that is done yeah. is brought a different lens uh, a different point of view through a different lens to a story we've seen a thousand times but now we get to see it somewhat differently we get to experience well, it somewhat differently i would i would point out two things one eartha kitt was catwoman Yeah, that's true. She was. Yeah. And so was Lee Merriweather. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, but yeah, but if we're talking about people of color that, you know, that still had been broken in the 60s. Right. But here, I mean. There this is this is the goal. To cast actors to perform the role. They didn't rewrite Gordon to be more of a person of color. They didn't rewrite the Catwoman to be more of a person of color, they wrote the characters to be as good as they could be and they went out and got the actors who best fit that role. Mm. That's the goal, you know, where Zoe Kravitz kills it as Catwoman because she's that good. This is not because of affirmative action. This is not because <laughs> they rewrote it to fit her. It's because she's that good. That's the goal, to get everyone available for roles on equal playing ground, uh, an equal playing field, which is, it's, it's, it's just not a reality, right? And in this film, they, it, it worked. And you know what? To, to the extent... Uh, some people didn't love the Eternals, but the Eternals worked organically as an extremely diverse film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, and this is the black hero, and this is the Hispanic hero or Latina hero. This one is Asian. It was just here they come, and it's there's a there's a, a um, uh, uh, an extra thrill to see it. You know, as a response, all right, well, we'll, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and way back the civil rights movement. Well, what do they want? They want equal rights. But what would that look like? (laughs) In part, it looks like the Batman, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Maybe and, it could be it, more. That Maybe is there the could point. Be more. But, but that is the point, is that you got to experience this story with different seasonings. Because we've seen this story before. Yeah, but, but the seasoning get... didn't stop the right. story. Exactly. That's beautiful. Exactly. You know, and that that's all I'm saying in, in this particular scenario. I enjoyed the film and so many of the little nuances and everything. Right. In in it 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 blended well for me. And and uh, you know, there were there were certain moments where I would go, hmm, okay. You know, because yeah, you know, I I I know that you're you're uh, more enthusiastic about um, uh, your appreciation of it than I appear to be. Uh, but I enjoyed the film. And I, I remember thinking that there was all of these little moments that, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon was doing this, this, and this, as opposed to the previous Gordon, which is fun because of this. And that, you know. So I was, I was just really enjoying the different flavors. And that was, and, that was just fun for me. And I would suggest that that is the end product of serving the story. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we can do with this film, if we don't sit down and say, okay, I have a quiz for this film. And if it doesn't match my expectations, it is wrong. If you go and organically say, I'm here for a story, tell me a story. What we see is it's well-written and well-developed and well-directed and beautifully shot and the music works for it and each of the performers are giving their all they did the work to find their characters and they are putting that character you know bringing that character to life there is nothing more you can ask from a story right. and if you don't like the movie you don't like the movie period yep. in, in, in like, the, there's yeah, a lot of movies out there bro <laughs> yeah you were talking about the third act you were talking about the third okay act. yeah but for a minute can we um can we just talk about we talked about Stephen Wright, but can we just quickly Jeffrey. talk about that's what I said, Jeffrey Wright. I'm not sure what you heard. Um <laughs> it must have been a tech thing. Um, yeah, that's what it Jeff, was. We've right. talked about Jeffrey Wright. Can we talk about Zoe Kravitz? Can we talk about uh Pattinson and can we talk about Paul Dana? We can talk about all of them quickly. <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Z- Zoe Kravitz is tiny. She's tiny. But she completely sold me that she was able to do everything she did in that film. Mm. And that's belief, that's confidence. You know, we've talked a lot about creatives from a writer point of view, but you can also go into this film as an acting school student and watch what they bring and the choices they make. She, I mean, uh, 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 she wound up embodying the Catwoman without embodying any of the cliches, and what and without abandoning them, she was just organic. It was fascinating. Mm. Uh, Pattinson, you know, the, Matt Reeves had a very dynamic uh, uh, approach to this, and Pattinson, he was brave enough to to again defy all those old expectations. And bring the most damaged Batman we've seen, you know, and then third act will show the growth in a very organic way. Paul Dano, so much was asked of this character. Hey, can you do this role? And we won't really see your face except for two scenes, maybe three. 
you know, can you scare the hell out of an entire city for us? And then when you're revealed, you know, in that scene, where that great scene between just the two of them, where the thing goes up and you see this normal guy, you know, mm-hmm. we saw him in the um, in the diner. We saw him in the diner and then we saw him here. And then he, with great joy, demonstrates exactly how off he is. You know, I'm, we're, we're a team. And then we get, this is the beginning of Act 3, when he realizes that, you know, the, the Batman realizes it's not over. Mm-hmm. And I think all of them, commendable, uh, teachable performances to, to watch what they do and why they do and how much they don't do. This is a very, for as much of a Batman movie as it is, this is a very quiet movie. You know, when things aren't blowing up, it's very quiet and moody and very much like detective comics, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it brings us to Act 3. So what do you say? Oh, no, you, you're, you're having a grand time. Go for it. <laughs> well, um, I was not ready for, and it was, it was really the second time I watched the film where I realized how current this film was. The first time through, there was so much going on that I was, I didn't have the luxury of relating it to the outside world. Mm-hmm. But um, I forget uh, I forget the app that he uses, but it's a real world app. Um, and if you read the thread alongside the Riddler's last video, it reads like the militias that were planning January sixth. And it never gets more overt than that. It's just if you bother to read that thread, you start seeing it. Yeah, we're and ready then, and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other thing is when these regular citizens show up armed to the teeth and dressed like their leader, that you realize, yeah, this is another version of of that incredibly worrisome misleading of a portion of in our country yeah but it's other countries too mm-hmm. you know and now it's going on in, in russia with the uh, false descriptions of what's happening in the ukraine you know putin himself is saying oh I'm, we're ridding ukraine of nazis that's that's not what's happening um and here's this movie that very organically is telling the third act of a Batman tale. But just those things are there if you want to pick them up. You know, a lesser um, artistic team would have stopped the story to, to, you know, drive that point home. It doesn't need to be driven home like that, you know. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I thought... To put Batman way over his head and to make him have to go against these people and figure out a way to stop them, but still show where they are, you know, um, 
you know, they had the things on them, so they wound up swinging helplessly. But then having to go into self-sacrifice so that the people down in the water would not get electrocuted Mm -hmm. and find himself on the ground level in the water. You know, some people say that's a baptism rebirth moment. And if you want to take it that way, that's fine. But for me, the lighting of the flare and the leading of the people and this is the third time Batman slash Bruce Wayne meets the orphan child of the mayor or whoever was killed with the mask in the beginning, the mm-hmm. masking, right? And that kid chooses to trust them enough to take them by the hand, you know, and let Batman lead them out and lead them through the water, you know, lead them through the darkness. And, and he realizes he has to be more than fear. He has to be more than vengeance. He has to be hope. And then we see him as a first responder, you know? <laughs> and the girl, the one woman who's getting in that little uh, thing to be helicoptered to the hospital, she won't let go of him. And he gives that little nod to her. And, you know, you're going to be okay. Doesn't, doesn't say mm-hmm. anything. But it, again, there's, there's, when you really serve the story well, your storytelling can approach poetic levels, spiritual levels. And I think he, I think that team achieved that. I would say that one of the questions that's come up over the, the, the last, let's say the last three decades for me, uh, and I always, I'm always asking about what is a hero, you know, the past, present, and who knows what the future will hold. But one of the questions that's come up for me with, with Batman as I've looked at these various uh, uh, representations is, is, is Batman a hero? Is Batman a detective? Is Batman a soldier in this never-ending war or battle against harm and evil and destruction? Uh, because depending on how he is handled by a lot of the creative teams that you know have worked on him, you get these various representations. And you know he started out basically wearing cloth, cloth mm-hmm. costume, you know, billowing cape and all that. And over the decades, over the seven to eight decades, uh, his his costume has practically become armor, yeah. you know, for all intents and purposes. So he's, he is a dark knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And, mm-hmm. you know, those scenes in the film where he's taking, you know, multiple bullet shots to his body because he's he's wearing, you know, whatever it's Kevlar or whatever. Uh, the impact bruises alone. <laughs> this oh, man yeah. must soak in liniment. Uh, yeah. and, and again, Patterson did not bulk up so that when his shirt is off, he looks like, yeah, you know, I got all it takes it, you know. Uh, but you know what 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 is the batman these days and and what does that mean and i think this movie paints him as as a knight yes again but paints him as a heroic character who could be seen as a soldier in a war oh yeah yeah uh matt reeves brings the man into batman man you know there's there's a lot of grounding in here um 
I went into this film thinking it was a one and done. And then shortly after it uh, debuted, uh, Reeves uh, admitted that he was considering, you know, where the um, a sequel People might go. go, right? Um, I don't know if that's just marketing to say it that way and if it had been planned all the way. But in reflection on this, if this is, you know, like the three Spider-Man movies with uh, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm are collectively the origin of spider-man where he really becomes what he was meant to be you know that he becomes bigger and become and understands what his responsibilities are and all that stuff you know um from that lens you can see this as an origin story not for the batman but for the like i said earlier the bruce wayne you know, um, and there's been a lot of speculation on where it can go. There's that last scene where uh, the Riddler He's talking to the is, Joker. Oh, we just cool spoiler. Well, I yeah. just did that. I don't believe I just did that, but okay, I did it. <laughs> I'll, I'll well, cut it I, out. <laughs> but but the Riddler is given hope from whoever that character is. Yeah. Um, Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, uh, it's been mentioned four thousand times on the, on social media as to who it actually is, and Matt Reeves has confirmed it. So I don't think you, in particular, are spoiling it. Since oh, Matt okay, okay, there. okay. Yeah, well, yeah Matt has already said yes. That's who that is. Comeback story. Yeah, right. And he actually, you know, it it was um, one of the the guy who plays Druid in the inter- the Eternals, and his brother drunkenly spoiled it before the movie came out so he posted it guess who my bras doing all right then um so there's a question there as to okay where would this story have to go you know or where could it go you know and the, and people are saying well you know riddler batman a riddler joker did uh no man's land it was a bit of a competition and there was um Another one where the two of them were in competition. Yeah, you could do that. Sure, you could do that. That's possible. Um, uh, Matt Reeves, it says he's very, very interested in uh, Mr. Freeze, especially the incarnation presented in the animated series, which was a mm. heartbreaking story. Um, I got to tell you, in, in, in such a delicious way, I have no idea where it would go. And that's really where I want to be as a writer. When you're writing, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the idea is to tell the story in front of you and tell it as best you can. Some, you know, with series or something, maybe you uh, uh, drop seeds. You know, Marvel's very good at that and always has been. Um, But this story left me very satisfied. Um, I was... I was really impressed with how well they told a Batman story, you know. Um, if there's another part, I'm ready. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I don't understand that part of fandom that says, well, here's what it has to be. I, I'll say the same thing, but here's how I end it. You know what it has to be? It has to be a good story where they make it best effort they can like they did this time and that and is would, the goal of very creative with, yeah i would agree with you on that and and i would say also that 
Um, I do understand certain fandom speaking that way because in, a, in effect, they want their next fix. And that's fine. Uh, it, it is about fandom as opposed right. to, oh, I read a good book and I enjoyed right. it or I saw a good film and I enjoyed it. It's about, right. oh, ooh, I, I need my next fix of that thing that I love so madly. And I, I well, get that, that. I get that. That's the difference between a lot of those other shows and this show. We yeah. focus on the creativity. Yeah, and I, I get all of that. And again, that's that body of audience, you know, and, and they will always be who they will always be. Uh, and then there'll be others who'll see it differently. And either way, I feel that uh, both you and I agree that it was a great movie. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. I am curious to see what comes next. Uh, mm -hmm. We've interviewed Michael Uslan, the executive yes. producer, who's been involved in every Batman movie and every Batman animated series project since the 80s. So um, it was cool to see his credit come up yeah in the movie it yep. came up fairly early in it and i was like okay um but you know it's i know that michael has said to us and i've heard him uh you know speak in other um venues and he has always said it's been about you know telling a good story and he loves this character and i think that you know as long as he's involved he's going to give people like like with joker the movie joker he's going to give people a chance to, to utilize characters that we love to tell a good story, whether you know we are enamored with that particular iteration or not is something else. Mm -hmm. But I think it's always gonna be his goal to deliver, you know, working with the people he works with mm -hmm. at any given moment to deliver a good story. And then we'll see yeah. where it goes from that. So well, whatever- I, The Joker- you know, be interesting. Very quickly, the Joker movie was not my favorite movie, but- I think it was because it was more disturbing than I was prepared to handle. It is the it is the Batman movie. He, there was no Batman in that movie, but you know, um, Batman related or Batman adjacent movie that stayed with me the longest mm. because I'm not sure if it was made with the current times in mind, um, but it really did comment on its on society mm. in a way that was unvarnished and as disturbing as it was the unfortunate thing is that it was born out you know mm. i mean this was before wisconsin yeah, before january 6th before you know, so many dark things that have happened recently. So it becomes um, almost prophetic uh, by accident, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a weird experience when that happened with The Simple Rebellion, one of my novels, um, where all the weird, crazy stuff that I wrote in there because it could never happen, happened and worse, you know. Um, it's just... We'll, we'll that's talk, not the goal ladies we'll and gentlemen i'm not that. saying that we'll, well I'm, we'll definitely talk about that yes we will but i have, I have I'm, I'm trying to bring it back to the batman you know yeah. <laughs> you're not trying I, I i don't think creatives should ever try to capture the zeitgeist because the zeitgeist moves so quickly and your material will be dated but here are no numerous examples of where serving the story 
and being dedicated to bringing out the best in the characters that you can and in the film uh, uh, world, casting it well and getting the, the cinematographer who can bring that visual to life and the music, they bring that to life. It has an opportunity to make such a strong comment that that comment reverberates and you can see connections in the real world. You know, it's, it's a side effect. It should never be, um, you know, don't go into storytelling trying to predict the future or trying to reflect today's headlines because they're going to be a year ago's headlines before the public sees. But serve your story and tell, you know, lay your heart into that story and you might wind up with something as memorable and as worthwhile and as worth telling and talking about as much as we have, like the Batman. There you go. Okay. Chris, Tell your well, damn story. Yeah. Chris, as always. <laughs> yay. As always, brother. Okay. Yes. You take care, everybody. And and we'll please drop soon. your comments, reactions, and so forth in the comments section yeah. below to the what side did you think? of whatever. Okay. Take care, everybody. Peace.